Are you longing for real life change and lasting impact? And more to be, we believe that is possible through a fresh encounter with God and His Word. I'm Lisa Pulliam, the founder of More to Be, host of the More to Be podcast, and I'm here to help you think biblically and live transformed, to be more like Jesus as you seek to join God in His work every day. On this episode, we are considering the topic of contentment in light of yielding our desires to the Lord. And that is actually inspired by our raw scripture study theme this month. So if you're not acquainted with the raw scripture study, it is a simple little method to help us get into scripture. The R stands for read, the A stands for apply, and the W stands for write. And in our More To Be Tribe Facebook group, we look at two verses per week considering this, uh, using this method. And so this month, uh, we are focusing on verses that talk about yielding our desires to the Lord. And uh, two of those verses are actually coming out um, this week that it's airing. One is Proverbs 13, 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is the tree of life. And the second verse is from Ecclesiastes 6, 9. Enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't have. Just dreaming about nice things is meaningless, like chasing the wind. And so we're going to look at these verses and go a little bit deeper. We have Kaylee Kelch here with us today uh, studying the scriptures. And so Kaylee, tell me, what does contentment look like to you, and especially in that context of yielding our desires to the Lord? Contentment is such a challenging concept at times because I think, you know, it's, as uh, women, like we're usually planners. And so we're kind of always like looking ahead and thinking ahead. And, um, you know, there's this aspect of like, how do I find contentment and stay within the moment and live within the moment instead of always like looking down the road of, well, when I get married or when I have kids or when I have this job or when I have enough money to be able to travel or or buy more clothes or whatever it might be that we kind of have this vision of what we want. Um, and so I think it's, it's always a challenge to in the moment to be like, okay, how do I find my joy in the season that God has placed me in, in whatever location I'm in, how do I rely solely on him and find joy in that moment? Yeah, I think that's, pretty insightful. And as you were talking about, like the thinking down the road, I can't help but think of it from the perspective of the Highlands Ability Battery that I do. And I've done it with my family and with myself. And on the um, personal personality side of things, mm-hmm. it divides people between uh, a short term, like middle term and long term in terms of how far down the road you think. And so there are some people that are like under one year, like that is right. their, they are so in the moment. And I often think maybe that was Jim Elliott's secret where he says, wherever mm. you are, be all there. I mean, maybe he was a one year thinker. And so being fully present is, is possible or like Bob Goff. And if you listen to any of his interviews, if you read his books, mm-hmm. he is clearly like moment by moment type of thinker. But then if you kind of move into that middle, you know, time range, the three to five years, I mean, that's like, I, I, my guess is that's where most of us kind of fall. Like we could, we could see down the pike a little bit to the next stage of our lives, but maybe not too far down. Right. And then that long time frame, that 10 years out, like 
my my husband has always said to me, it's like, you're never happy, like right in the moment, because you're always thinking down the pike. And I'm like, yeah, how could you not think down the pike? Like, I'm imagining what life will be like when, you know, we don't have any children under the roof anymore. What will life be like when we're in our 70s or our 80s? Like, mm-hmm. I can get really down the road and what comes across is that I'm not happy with today. Do you ever right. feel that way? Yeah. And I, I do. And I'm a middle of the road thinker. Um, and I was actually just having a conversation with a friend about this and discussing the Highlands and we were talking and she definitely sees herself, even though she's not taking the test, she sees herself as that really long-term thinker. And she's like, Mm -hmm. but my husband, I swear he's got to be a short-term thinker. And so he's, you know, making jokes or or talking about stuff in the moment. And, um, you know, she's like, don't joke about this. This is serious. Like we have to think (laughs) like down the road and, so we were laughing about that this morning, but I, I do, I think that some of that plays into our level of contentment um, based on if we just look at, well, life's here and today is today, or if you're more of a long-term or even, yeah, that middle of the road planner, that there's this level of, oh, wait, okay, I'm, I'm thinking towards this. Um, mm-hmm. And like we discussed the other day with the Proverbs 31 woman, you know, even though we're not wired maybe for kind of this in the moment living, um, how do we live into this principle that God has set before us of being content? Because we do find it in scripture that we're called to have joy when we face trials or whatever's going on in our life. And so there is this biblical calling, just like I feel like as we discussed the other day, there's a biblical idea of um, being, you know, having a plan and not living in chaos, even if we're not wired that way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a person, I I think it's a personality challenge. I thought, Mm -hmm. I think it's also like um, the culture that we're raised in, the experiences that we've come from, I mean, Mm -hmm. coming from an abusive home uh, for me planning where I was going to go to college was my kind of escape route. Right. And then planning my marriage was my second escape route. And, and so I, it has been hard to unwind that thinking about the next, uh, to be thankful for the present. And, mm. and you know, I look at this verse in Ecclesiastes, enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't have. And I think that's the heart of it. Like, if if there is true discontentment, it's it's an angst of like, I don't want what I have right now because right. I want something more. And the challenge is, or maybe it's not even more, it's different. I want that instead of this is that once you get there, then there's going to be another that instead of this. And what if what you imagined in your mind doesn't measure up to what you hoped it would measure up to you, then, then you end up with a new level of discontentment and mm-hmm. you have forsaken joy where, where you were. And, and so I find well, it. Yeah, go ahead. That's really that, like chasing the wind, how that verse ends. Yeah. It's yeah. like, you're always like, just trying to catch up with the next thing. Um, actually, I was yeah. just thinking about like my kids, we were trying to fly a kite and, you know, oh. it wasn't windy enough, but it was a little bit. And it was like, literally we're just running around the field 
like, <laughs> oh, wait, there's, there's a burst of wind. And so it'd be like quick and they're throwing it up and running, you know, so it would try to catch it and get up higher so that it would stay up in the air. And inevitably it would come crashing down and they'd try it again, or they'd wait for the next, next gust of wind. Um, yeah. and I think we do that in our lives that it's like, Oh wait, okay. I've got this job and this is bringing with it the higher salary and yet that higher salary and this more powerful job maybe requires that many more hours. And so then mm-hmm. all of a sudden there's this pullback of like, Oh wait, I'm not content. I'm not staying, spending enough time with my family, or I really don't have as much vacation time as I thought. And now I can't use that money to go on the vacations. And Mm -hmm. so then, you know, maybe we're looking for the new job, but that job requires something different of us. Um, so I do think, yeah, we can, you can spin yourself in a circle trying to find the quote unquote perfect life. And instead of saying, okay, this is the job God's given me right now, or this is the family or the environment or whatever it is. And I'm going, how do I find joy in what I have right around me? Yeah, I think that's good. And I want to circle back before mm-hmm. we talk about jobs for a second, because I know you have a really good example in terms of your job and waiting mm-hmm. on the Lord, but, but that back to that idea of long-term planner. And I, I like that you mentioned about the Proverbs 31 woman, because we did talk about the, the uh, plan and prepare. And so mm-hmm. there is an advantage to being somebody who is long-term. I mean, long-term people probably have better retirement savings. You know, right. long-term people say no to the immediate pleasures and, and are able to put off, like, I just want my house to look a certain way right now. And they're able to save for the house that's to come. Long-term thinkers are um, parenting and disciplining, I think, comes more naturally to long-term thinkers because they can look at that two-year-old pitching a fit Mm. and think, I don't want you pitching this fit when you're 12. And so I'm going to address this now because the heart is only going to grow with you and we're going to get the heart lined up right for where you're going to be when you're 12. And Short-term thinkers may be able to more carefree live in the moment and and appear to be more content, mm-hmm. and yet they are, are also lacking in other areas. So I just wanted to kind of throw that out there that there, the way God has wired us is is for a good purpose, and it's not that we need to be somebody who He hasn't made us to be, but mm-hmm. rather being aware of how He made us to be, and then saying, "Okay, God, how do you want to address my heart issues?" in in the way you designed me and so with that I really I just wanted to kind of pitch that out there and if you have any thoughts on that go for it or just jump in and share that story of your having to be content in your work situation no I love what you just said because I think all of that is so true um and and we have to keep it all in mind you know as we're looking at this this subject and this um topic as far as, yeah, a time where I was uh, trying to figure out and kind of struggling with contentment, um, I really felt like I, my husband and I had um, moved down to the area and he had gotten a job at this boarding high school where we work now. Um, but he was working here and I was just volunteering and helping out um, with some music kind of stuff. And I was enjoying it. I was loving it. Um, I was for my profession. I was a book editor at the time. I was freelance. And so I was working from home. 
which was a great situation with my kids still being um, a little bit younger. So it was a wonderful situation, but I had this opportunity to go as a chaperone on a kind of Bible conference trip. Mm. And um, it was during that trip, they had a prayer room set up. And I went into the prayer room and I actually, there weren't any students or any other adults in it at that moment. And so I was looking around and reading some of the comments and the things, there was different activities for the students to engage in. And one of them was at the very center of the room, there was a cross and uh, on the cross, the students were supposed to write on a band-aid like anything that they were struggling with or needing healing from, and then stick the Band-Aid on the cross. So there was just so many things. And I mean, just deep, dark secrets that you knew needed so much healing, such as um, rape and divorce and struggles with friends and parents and all kinds of things. I mean, it just ran the gamut. And I was kneeling there praying and looking over all of these comments. And um, I was like, Lord, these kids just need to be loved. Like, I just want to wrap my arms around each one of these kids written and poured out their pain Mm -hmm. and just tell them that they're loved and that that somebody cares about them and that you love them. and I walked out of that room saying, Lord, I just, I'm, I'm supposed to be that person. Like I'm supposed to be on this campus in more of a spiritual role where I have time just to hang out and to meet their needs and to point them to you. Um, so I, I was crying, like I walked out. It was just such an emotional time. And I called my mom and she said, um, that's fabulous but like, you know, you've got to wait on the Lord. Like she, it was the whole bringing back to reality, you know, cause there wasn't, there wasn't even a job, like there wasn't a position for it. There's a full-time chaplain at the, at the school. Um, and in the past they had had a task force worker. So that was like usually a college student, more of kind of an intern type position. Um, so anyways, needless to say, Uh, It started this year and a half long journey that then uh, that was in um, January and the next August they advertised for the position, but it was, they were looking for again, a college intern type position. I applied for it. um, And and I was like, you know what, (laughs) they can just turn (laughs) me down. Well, they did turn me down. Um, So I told my mom, you know, about what I was experiencing and what I was feeling. And she kind of brought me back to present and said, well, there's no job opening though, you know, just wait on the Lord. All very true statements, but it was like, what? But, you know, I don't want to think about waiting on the Lord other than the fact that I already am, but I want this all to happen. I want it all to fall into place, you know? So um, that was in January and around like April, they posted a job, but it was again, this intern type format. Um, so I applied for it and didn't hear back from them forever. And then they finally said, Nope, you know, we're going with an intern. So I, I, I was crushed, honestly, um, spent a lot of time just praying and talking to God and, 
crying and saying like, but Lord, you've like, I felt so clear, more clear than any other job or time in my life that this was what I was supposed to be doing. Like, why isn't it all just falling into place and working out? And, um, ended up though, another position at the Academy, uh, the high school opened up and it was for more public relations, which is my background and my degree. So my husband's like, you know, I don't think maybe you're supposed to be doing the other, um, because that's not your degree area. You didn't go to seminary or anything like that. And so you really just need to focus on, you know, what you've been trained to do and you're good at it and do it. So prayed about it though and felt like, okay, I mean, God's opening up the door for me to be at the school. And obviously I'm around the teenagers, um, and being on staff, but there was still, so I started it and sure enough, I mean, like it was right up my alley as far as my training and my background. Um, but I did, I struggled throughout the year at different times of feeling like, God, but is this the, the permanent location you have for me? Like, I just feel like there's, I'm supposed to be doing um, dedicated ministry, you know? Yeah. I do get to see the kids and there's a certain level of interaction, but I'm clearly pulled in different directions and having to plan events and, and dealing with alumni and writing newsletters and all that kind of stuff that went with my job description. Um, so it was this time of like finding this balance between where God had placed me at the moment and looking back on it. Um, I'm sorry. So like then after I spent a year in this position, it, there was this possibility that it opened up again, uh, to apply for the job, spent a lot of time praying cause it meant me, they were still looking for an intern and I talked to the chaplain and then spent some time talking to the principal and they decided to potentially look at, uh, re, um, aligning the per or the position and making it part-time, to accommodate like how much they could pay basically. Um, Mm. and so in the end though, after another like two months of waiting and praying, um, they did offer me the position and I, I know, and I stepped into it and have, this will be my third year going into it. So, but there was this whole, yeah, time of like waiting and looking back, I see how God though used, my skill set to assist in the alumni office and with my PR background to help put, I put so many things in place that helped them to streamline some stuff that um, wasn't there before. So like I see where God used my skills in the moment and, and where I, I needed to be there. Like I needed to help them start off in a different direction and that I had the unique skill set. And I'm not saying this to like pump myself up or or to sound like I'm boasting. Um, but there was a, a portion that I was able to accomplish something. And then he moved me into this yes. season of ministry. And and I had to wait. Like there was this interim portion of waiting that also, I mean, just the growth that I went through in the waiting on with him. And, and just the late nights praying to him of like, Lord, I don't understand. Like, I felt so sure you had called me. Why didn't this door open? Um, and how much now I've been able to share that story with the girls I counsel with that are in these seasons of waiting. Like, it just all fits together. Um, yeah. And I'm so yeah, grateful. Right. 
And I'm so grateful that God had me go through all of that, um, even though in the moment it felt so painful. Um, but there was also like I had to, as I was working and feeling like I'm just not as being as fulfilled, I'm not able to minister like I want to. Um, finding the contentment in the moments that I was ministering, even though I wasn't in the full-time role and I wasn't in that position. Like there were still doors that he opened, still opportunities where I made connections with students and I was able to spend time with them, even though it wasn't in the same scope that I was envisioning, you know, even though it wasn't my role or my job. Um, and now, you know, the door is flung wide open that it is my job and I do get to just hang out with them. But um, beforehand, when it felt like I was in a sense being stifled, you know, finding the contentment in the moments that I did have with them and the connections that were formed. Um, and I, that's just the battle I think we face and the challenge of then I had to keep coming back to God and saying, but this hurts. It doesn't feel right. I'm not, you know, I don't feel like it's all falling into place and him saying, yeah, it's not, but keep trusting and keep serving and keep being that humble leader and, you know, trusting that I have the best plan in mind and in my timing. And if this is where you're supposed to spend the rest of your working career, like you are still, I'm providing moments for you to serve and to minister to students. Yeah, I totally identify with so much of what you're saying. The 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 last part that you just said of like st stewarding, really mm -hmm. stewarding your gifts and talents, your resources, your your heart, your hands, your mind, while waiting mm -hmm. for that thing that you desperately want. I mean, you, you've probably felt it in your bones, like in your heart, in your spirit, oh, like this is what I feel like I'm supposed to be doing with my life. And I'm not. And I had a friend say to me, um, not long after we had moved here after those 18 years at the boarding school that, that God has hemmed us in. And she used that expression multiple times in my life. And I could see how she hemmed us in, in our house, mm -hmm. the one that he had given us. He hemmed us in in my career. He hemmed me in through rejected book proposals. Mm -hmm. He hemmed me uh, in in terms of lack of ministry outside of my home. I mean, it was at every turn, I'm like, what are you doing, Lord? This makes no sense at all. Uh, and, and yet I can look back and say, oh, you were developing these mm. skills, like perspective, patience, appreciation, contentment um, and looking at it afresh from a perspective of like, well, how do I meet somebody who's in the same situation as me? How do I extend grace and compassion to somebody else who feels also hemmed in? And how do I even express joy for somebody who has more or is walking out what the calling appears to be that I want to walk out Right. Uh, we are dancing with other issues like uh, contentment and gratitude, contentment mm -hmm. and jealousy, contentment and insecurity, contentment and value, contentment and idolatry. Like for each one of us, I think it's going to look different in what robs us from our contentment. Mm. So true. Right. And so your whole story, we could we could rewrite your story, not that God would ask us to do that, but we could substitute out job for wanting another child. 
we mm-hmm. could substitute out uh, having a baby for marriage. We could substitute out current spouse for a spouse that seems like might be a better fit, <laughs> right? I mean, there, there we can swap it from house, you know, the current home to another home. That journey of yielding, which is why I chose that word for mm-hmm. this month, was what does it look like to yield our desires to the Lord? It's both a yield the good that we think he's calling us to and yielding the discontentment we have in the present situation. Mm-hmm. That's so true. Um, you know, thinking about the story of Hannah and, you know, her desire to have a child um, was a noble desire. I mean, there was nothing wrong with that. And mm-hmm. yet like there was this whole period of waiting where she didn't have a son. Uh, I mean, she didn't even have any child. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if there's this piece though, because as we know, then, um, so it's found in first Samuel, um, one is the beginning of her story. What, it just always amazes me that here, then she's crying out her heart to God. She's obviously spent time praying to him beforehand. And yet then we have this moment that she's here at the temple, um, or at the tabernacle and she's praying and, and Eli comes out and thinks she's drunk. And yeah. then he, which all unto itself, you know, here's this poor woman. Um, oh, goodness. And then he says in verse um, 17, go in peace. Mm-hmm. May the God of Israel grant the request you have asked of him. Mm-hmm. And so here she is though, that then she becomes pregnant and she gives the child back to the Lord. Like she gives, like, this is the deepest desire of her heart. And yet she's giving it up. Isn't that like yeah. the most yielding portion in the surrender of like, here is my heart's desire is to be a mother and to have yeah. a child. But now I'm going to raise him for just a few years and I'm going to turn him over to service in the tabernacle for you, for the, the nation of Israel, like he's yours. Yeah. It just blows my mind, to be honest. It, it is amazing. I love how you said it's, it's this beautiful example of yielding to not only say, this is what I want. I lay it before your feet, Lord. But then when he gives it to you to say, this is yours. Yeah. And, and to hand it back. And we can do that in anything. I, I mm-hmm. actually have on my monitor right here next to me. It says, maybe I'm not supposed to write another book, question mark. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, and you know, because my agent and I have been talking back and forth, like what, what will be the next book on Blinded Faith came out in May. Right. And I, I said, I, I want the summer to not be in the process of writing a book proposal or thinking about books. I just want to be present with my family. You know, the, the publishing journey takes a toll on my family. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to have this space. But in this space, the prayer has been, God, what do you want me to write? What do you want me to write? What do you want me right. to write? And I get an idea and, and I jot it down and I'm waiting for him to like ferment the ideas and mm-hmm. show me which one kind of rises up. And I found myself sitting here the other day thinking, what if he doesn't want me to write another book? Am mm-hmm. I willing to yield that idea to him? Right. Which is kind of maybe not how we think about yielding. Like we think of yielding when we have the shape of something in our mind or the plan or the the person 
to yield that to the Lord, but to be able to yield the thing that isn't even the thing yet (laughs) and Mm -hmm. say, what is it that you want? I want what you want, God. I don't want what I want. We're going to pause here with that thought and kind of leave you in a place of wondering, what is it that God wants you to yield to him? What is it that he wants to do in your life that you have been holding tight onto? Because as we drill down in the second part of our podcast, we're going to look at what it means to be content and what does it mean to do all things through Christ who strengthens us as we see what Paul has for us in Philippians. So, yep, we're leaving you at a cliffhanger, but we're doing it on purpose. We know your time is precious and we want you to take the rest of the time that you have today to sit and think, what is God calling you to? What is he calling you to release? What is he calling you to pick up? And then join us for part two after you've had that time with God. It's a blessing that you have joined us for the More To Be podcast. We do this for you our listeners. We're praying you've experienced a fresh encounter with God and his word during your time with us. If you'd like to show your support for the More to Be podcast and our ministry, we'd love for you to become a More to Be tribe member. You'll get access to a library of life application studies and worksheets, audio recordings, and video teachings with exclusive resources added each month. To learn more, visit moretobe.com slash podcast for a special link just for our listeners. May you continue to think biblically and live transformed to be more like Jesus as you seek to join God in his work every day.